This week on Erotic Awakening, Partners in Passion. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Every Thursday, your hosts, Dan and Dawn, share with you their experience and insights on kink, power exchange, and erotic life, as well as bring you interviews with exciting people from various lifestyles. Then every Monday, you'll hear from our various guest hosts. These nationally known educators bring a variety of experience to the mics and share with you an ever-increasing diverse world of alternative life. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. What if I want to stop listening tomorrow? Well, that would be okay too. I guess. we're on season <laughs> we're on season five of Lost because we're <laughs> ten years behind everybody else, and they're doing the whole time travel thing right now. By the way, if you uh, write us, please fuck off about Lost. Uh, I've lived in the fear somebody's going to say oh, the polar bear's behind it the whole time. Isn't that amazing? So hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Today on the uh, podcast, we are going to be talking about a book called Partners in Passion. I recently interviewed Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson, and uh, we interview some books on this podcast. This one is one uh, I am probably oh sorry, other authors we've interviewed. This is probably one of the most uh, that I am most enthusiastic about and glad that I actually have a copy of and that I'm actually reading the whole thing instead of the quick skim that I do sometimes. Ooh, nice. I'll have it, to pick it up myself. But I like what they write about. So, And we've known them for a long time and, and taken a peek at some of the stuff that they've written about before. So, And we'll get into that uh, shortly. I will say, though, uh, Happy Valentine's Day. Oh, you beat me to I it. I beat you to it. Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you. I've got us all set up for dinner tonight. Well, what did we end up with? Uh, mango Thai. Ah, that's too bad. I thought we were going to Thai mango. Oh, Thai mango. Well, it's got the word Thai in it and mango. <laughs> Two great tastes. Prop together. It's a fucking Reese's cup. Oh, it'd be neat if we were eating mango and tied up. Well, I was tied up and you were feeding me mango. That would be really neat. Uh, we also have, among other, other than your food porn, uh, we have a question of the day. We have a couple questions of the day. All three are pretty interesting. Which one do you want to knock out, though? Um, do you get sexually aroused when you top? So uh, this question suggests that during the BDSM, do I get a woody, I guess is basically <laughs> yes, what Yes, pretty much. That's what it is. Um, so that's kind of funny. It used to be when you and I first got started in BDSM kinky stuff, the flogging and the spanking and all that jazz, that I did not get sexually aroused. Um, and I think, and it's not to say that I did not get, boy, it's a challenging question. <laughs> I did not get a woody. Let's say that. I did okay. not get an erection. And I think it had something to do with just being in a different state of mind, being in a, in a very tight, controlled state of mind. And as time goes by and I became more and more confident with those different toys, with floggers and all that jazz, I became more likely to allow myself to let go a little bit and get aroused in a physical, reflective, hard dick sort of way. Um, mm. Now, most of the time, matter of fact, I would say all the time nowadays... You get a woody? I get a woody. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to, and even in pickup play, which I do rarely, but I seem to get uh, a woody when I do pickup play as well. Do you think it's the BDSM that causes the woody or the power exchange, the, the um, dominating someone that causes it, or just the whole general sexiness in general? I think it's the general sexiness in general. I think it's the <laughs> willingness of the, the person who's bottoming to me to let themselves go mm -hmm. and be vulnerable. Nice. It's one of the keys to a good BDSM scene, in my mind at least, is that the person that you're playing with is putting a lot of faith and trust in you. I mean, you're doing some pretty uh, interesting things to them. And, you know, unless they're, you know, really digging, letting you do those things, then there's not very far for the scene to go. So that vulnerability, that responsiveness, it's kind of like to me if you are the leader of an orchestra. And your band's hitting all the notes just right. Nice. And you're taking kind of a jazzy approach. And you're, all right, you're, you're, you're going the right way. Now we're going to go over here instead. Come with me. 
Nice, nice. And I know I find it hot when you get a woody. It's such a turn on. But you're right. When we first got together, there wasn't. And I was afraid I'd done something wrong or you weren't really getting into it or something. But your energy and the look on your face was telling me very different. So it's neat that you said once you got confidence, that's kind of when you could let it all hang out. So to speak. Sure, sure. <laughs> let it all go. So, And little known secret that you mm-hmm. and I often, when we play with a, uh, a, diff- a third person, mm-hmm. right, um, that we'll often end the scene with me sticking my dick in you. Right. For that release from all that woodiness that I had. I like it. I like it. <laughs> it's kind so, of like foreplay that you're not quite directly involved in. I'm good with that. But you that. get the benefit. But I get the benefit. So <laughs> Now, I actually did some research on this question, believe it or not. <laughs> I choose not. That's not normal for this podcast at all. I did. I did. I was at Monkey Puzzle Club, and I actually had this question running around in my head because I know some people do get a woody. Some people don't. And um, I was watching a dominant, well, he was a master, with his submissive and his slave, and he was playing. And when he was done, and I was like, huh. So did that, can I ask you a very, 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 very personal, intimate question <laughs> that you can absolutely say fuck off to? <laughs> and he was like, yes. And I'm like, do you get a woody when you play? And he really had to think about it. And did he open like, his pants and look? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but for him in that environment... He said it wasn't a personal enough environment. So because of where he was, it was more of a play sort of scene. Right. And therefore, though it was hot and he was in control, he couldn't get that level of intimacy that would have given him a woody. So they ended up having fun. And then he asked his girls if they had gotten sexually aroused. And they were like, no, it was more about the connection and, Mm -hmm. and having fun. So it doesn't mean that you have to get a woody. To have oh, had yeah. fun in the scene, but it's hot when it gets there too. And that's a great point. The couple times, last couple times I've played with people that are not you, mm-hmm. have been in. Uh, you know, I was going to say they've been in private, but uh, I did my scene with Bat at Winter Wickedness, mm-hmm. and I got a Woody from that, mm-hmm. and that was very much not in private. Right. So I was so I was going to say that that was part of the equation, but apparently it's not. But it was an intimate setting. Maybe it was more intimate than. It was intimate because I drove it to be, not because okay. of the setting. Right. Right. Wow. Interesting. And question. something interesting that Bat put uh, mentioned to me is that when I am wearing my leathers, mm-hmm. the environment—it's my environment. Yes. So it's as intimate as I've decided it will be. Oh, I absolutely agree with that. So. Uh, I guess it was an intimate setting in that perspective. Yes. Uh, so if you heard us, Dawn mentioned the Monkey Puzzle Club. You'll hear more about that at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, it is also Valentine's Day. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Smitten Kitten. Smitten Kitten is your online resource and personal guide to all things sex-related. They offer over 3,000 unique products and have served the sex-positive community for over 10 years. When you head over to smittenkittenonline.com and use Dan and Don, you'll get a 20% discount. And by the way, today's book, Partners in Passion, 20% off at Smitten Kitten. It's in stock over there right now. Go get it. Happy Valentine's Day. Ooh, yay. <laughs> Are we getting sex toys for Valentine's Day? No, I did buy you something little, though. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> we have a, um, not the way a husband normally responds to his loving wife for Valentine's Day for gifts, but we have this agreement that uh, if you're buying the other person a gift, you have to give fair warning so they don't have to, oh, I got you something too, honey, but I have to go to Kroger's and pee. <laughs> Which apparently I have to do. It's little. It's little. We don't usually do gifts. We've been together long enough that, um, yeah, we're not really gift-driven people. So it's nice every now and then. But, um, yeah, so I'm giving you a little warning. This is little. I don't need anything back. Good, because you better hope there's something nice in that pen drawer over there. (laughs) I got you a big. Awesome. Hey, if it's purple or if it's tentacle-related, a tentacle pen maybe? Well, somebody is sending you tentacle links again. They are. And it's really cool because the way <laughs> the way this person does it is through Facebook. And like I said, that's my vanilla space. But all she'll do is she'll see a picture and she'll just tag me on it. No comment, just a tag. And this one is an octopus coffee table. So it's an octopus holding up a coffee table? Uh-huh. Is it a glass table? It's oh. a glass top. 
but it looks like a metal bottom. It's silver on the bottom. Oh, so I would it may hope be so. metal. It could be, well, it could be stone or something. Oh, okay. But uh, anyway, she's sending me enough, uh, Dolly's sending me enough uh, <laughs> links to furniture. I'm like, huh, when we get our new house, <laughs> you're sending me wall decals for the bathtub, <laughs> coffee tables, sconces. <laughs> it's going to be an octopus related. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> so, fun, fun. We have one new subscriber, Oakham's Flogger. I guess that's a reflection of Oakham's Razor, which I really don't know what that is either. Me neither. It's familiar sounding. And I didn't write down where they're from. I'm sorry about that. But uh, So, we have a new subscriber to the Erotic Awakening newsletter. You could be the new subscriber. Hit up to Dane and Dawn. No. Don't do that. Head out to Erotic Awakening. <laughs> We've only done this for 304 episodes. Head over to eroticawakening.com where you'll find a link to our newsletter so you can be in the know of shit that we are up to. And if you want to send us tentacle links or anything else like that, you can write us at Dan and Dawn at eroticawakening.com. Or just join our Fet Life group like all the other cool kids. It's called Erotic Awakening. Nice. Though I would still like to hear people's voices. Our voicemail is 614-414-2072. I noticed and, on... Oh, sorry. Oh, I was going to say, though, though Bunky hasn't called us lately. But darn, if he isn't sending us some yes. neat writings. Yeah, and I was going to say... I, uh, <laughs> You received a brand new batch of tentacle links in your email today, too, by the oh, way. Oh, I haven't opened up my email this morning, but he did send us some um, pierced booby pics, and you sent him back pics of me. Yes, yeah, so that, and that was private <laughs> for us, baby. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, not anything, you know. <laughs> um, uh, and then Melissa on the Facebook liked us. That was nice of her. Very nice. So we saw 705 out at the Winter Wickedness. That was pretty awesome. Winter Wickedness overall, by the way, was pretty awesome. You can listen to our previous episode. All the podcasters got together, and we did a little bit of a 17-minute live show. Got the audience involved there towards uh, the midway through, and so it was a really good time. Did you enjoy uh, playing it uh, with the person who we can't really nickname anymore? More. Right. They don't like their nickname. They don't like their nickname. They asked us not to use it. So... Wow. You know what, though? He did use a machete during the scene. Did he? <laughs> he did. So um, that was kind of neat. So I had two really good scenes. The third one didn't work out because it's a staff member and mm-hmm. working around his schedule <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> so, but uh, I had two really good scenes. You and I did the cling rack rap. And, uh, oh, yeah. They were actually talking about that at Monkey Puzzle Club oh, last night. Yeah. Yeah, oh, neat. About how we rocked the furniture with the clean wrap. <laughs> <laughs> we were moving it across the floor. So, but uh, that was a lot of fun. And I actually sat in on a couple of um, workshops this time. I don't always get a chance to do that. So, um, sat in on cunt and breast torture. Yes. That was interesting. Uh, Mr. Sean or Master, mm-hmm. Master Mr. Sean? Master Sean? Master Sean, I okay. think so. And then I got to demo for Lee Harrington, our other podcast host. So I got to demo with Lee about using clothing for encasement bondage. Mm-hmm. So that was interesting, too. So nylons and sweatshirts and t-shirts and, and then you also sat in on a um, cunning minx presentation as oh well. i did yeah sat in with cunning minx so that was a great poly great poly workshop mm-hmm. so it was nice to meet her what uh what else does uh ais have coming up Oh, yes. So I'm falling behind. We have two pages of notes here, believe it or not. (laughs) Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Now that Winter Wickedness is over with, their next event is the AIS April Fool's Party, Saturday, March 22nd, 2014. $20 at the door, bring your photo ID, starts at 8 p.m. and runs to 2 a.m. at the Princeton Club in Columbus, Ohio. It is a first floor takeover. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. Good deal. Awesomeness. So, uh, get the word out, rate us on iTunes, tweet about us, lick us on Facebook, tell your friends, and uh, Mark Michaels, Patricia Johnson, we met them, oh... Was it Dark Odyssey? It was a Dark winter? Odyssey winter. Summer? I think it was winter. Yeah, so that would have been 2005. a long time ago. 2005. 
And they were doing a presentation there. We were doing presentations there. Mm-hmm. We, we, and you could actually, the first time they appeared on the podcast is going to be, I think, in like the first 10 episodes. Wow. Um, I think so. It was early yeah, on. So, yeah. And um, when we met them, oh, it's actually kind of interesting. So we met them at Dark Odyssey in D.C. It was a winter fire, which was a hotel event. And Lee Harrington was creating the sacred space for the event and we had a we had a direction it was kind of a pagan based ritual as in pagan structured mm-hmm. as in circle structured so we had a direction and Patricia and Mark had a direction and we did energy work and they did an orgasm mm-hmm. what what how wow i like my life <laughs> it was quite a nice event and mm-hmm. um so time goes by. It's been eight years, apparently. And uh, like I said earlier, so they have this new book, Partners in Passion. It is, um, it's just, I have to admit, I, you know, I picked this one up and I glanced through it and I'm thinking, you know, are you guys going to start regurgitating some of your other books? And um, I mean, I was, uh, I don't, I'll, I'll talk about the actual book in the interview, but I was, it's weird, it's a very well done book. Um, I see that we actually have some other People speaking about it on the old Amazon reviews already. A Susan O. Miranda uh, actually recommended it for uh, sex workers. Um, nice. And I, I could I think very highly of this book. And, and I'm very glad to hear that you can uh, head over to even you can head over to Smitten Kitten and get it for uh, that 20% off if you're even slightly interested in it. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an added bonus there. I don't want to uh, blather about it too much as... I do so in the interview <laughs> coming up. But. But. Do you feel, and so here's the question I have for you, Don. Oh, no. What do we do for rekindling the passion in our relationship? What do we do? Yes. We go on dates. We do. We schedule dates and we make points to, because um, we do a lot of work together. And sometimes instead of going to bed to be naughty... We go to bed because we're tired. Right. <laughs> so we have to make a date and pull out the toys and try to reconnect. And we have other ways as well. We try to make sure we play at events. And We used to go to the swing club. There used oh, to be a swing true. club here in town that was open on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Mm-hmm. And it was very quiet there on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we wouldn't go to pick up other people. We would go to play with each other. But right. there's intent. We're going to go, we're going to go make out, we're going to go fuck, it's, but we're going to go be together on a date. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we sit here on the couch a lot and hold hands and play mm-hmm. video games together and we travel and we, we do just, all of that. We just had this conversation last night. It was like, so what are we going to do for Valentine's Day? Right. And we're sitting there watching old, epi- or to us, new episodes of Lost and sitting there cuddling and scratching the dog's head and that's what we do, you that's said. That's what we do, yeah. Because you're like, I don't know, what... What do we, Dan and Don, do when we, you know, when, mm-hmm. when we try to make a point? And it's it's like, well, this this is what we do. This is how we wind down. This is how we connect. Is is, you know, watching that little bit of Lost. It's not like we watch TV or anything. Right. Lost is the focus right now. And pet the puppy. What do we do when we go out of the house? Well, we present and we go to events. Okay. Well, we just did that. Sometimes we date other people. Okay. We just did that. Um. Sometimes we okay. We're going out to dinner. <laughs> yeah, it, because the neat thing is our our normal thing is we're traveling, we're mm-hmm. presenting, we're teaching, we're in dungeons around the nation. Right. So for us being home, chilling on the couch, watching Netflix is actually kind of a date. Yeah, absolutely. So, but I think we're gonna we haven't been out to dinner in a long time. So I think going out to dinner and. We'll take it from there. So we're doing movies tomorrow night. We're with our, uh, I was going to say other partners. I don't know that mine Polly has. Polly Pod, let's call it Polly Pod. Okay, so yes. But you're going to be with Karen Saturday night. Right. I'm going to be with the new boyfriend. So, and he doesn't listen to this actually, believe it or not. So I could say his name, but I don't have his permission. <laughs> <laughs> I should ask him about that. Though yeah, I have maybe you should. Or at least give him a nickname of some sort. Yeah, yeah, because I have been hinting to him. You know, I kind of mentioned you. <laughs> but he's actually a little interesting in that he doesn't want to listen to the podcast yet because he wants to get to know me oh, yeah. off the podcast first. So it's kind of interesting. I can see but that. Anyway. And, and, and the, 
and that would be a, a tremendous sidebar that Karen doesn't listen to the podcast either. Uh, which for different reasons. Is just fine by me. <laughs> and Bat listens to every episode, and by the time, 10 minutes after I publish, she's already started commenting or right. making little uh, memes about it and such. Exactly, exactly. So Valentine's Day is kind of interesting for us being Polly this year in that you and I are going out tonight, mm-hmm. and us three are going out, as in me, you and Karen, are going out tomorrow night mm-hmm. to the movies and then Saturday night it's you and Karen and me and the boyfriend separately so it's kind of kind of neat how we're working all that out this yep. year and then uh, Monday I will actually have Bat over here to myself and nice. um, we will do our Master Slave V-Day thingamajigger nice nice so you know what's interesting is hmm. weigh in is Sunday morning and we're going out to dinner tonight there's probably <laughs> dinner tomorrow night and there's probably dinner Saturday night so right. watching the calories and <laughs> prepping for weigh in <laughs> gonna be interesting so here we are sitting here in at least I'm in wonderful Columbus Ohio the temperature is minus 15 but I've got something in my hand that's gonna warm me up Partners in Passion is the new book by Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson. They are veterans of the podcast. Guys, welcome back. Thanks for having us. Good to be back. So guys, uh, thanks for coming back on the show. I'm looking at the new book, and the cover of it does not have the word Tantra on it anywhere. Now, I know you guys primarily from from your uh, Tantric backgrounds. Um, is 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 that a conscious decision to move away from Tantra, or... Did you just not want to scare off people, or what was what was your thinking behind that? I think there's yes to all of that. What yeah, would you say? I mean, I, I you know we the yeah. book draws on our background in tantra very very heavily. There's no you know there's no getting around that. But we at the same time wanted to write a book that was applicable for anybody, and and especially for people who would never dream of picking up a tantra book. So uh, it's it's got. Tantra at its core, but it really is about applying tantric concepts, whether you call them that or not, in a contemporary relationship. Okay, that makes sense to me. Um, I tell you, I I have to admit, considering this is not your the first book of yours that I've read, I didn't know what to expect from this. I didn't know if you guys are just kind of scraping out another book, or we're just relabeling some tantra stuff. But man, you have gone really deep, and there's all kinds of interesting stuff in here. Uh, I see this is the first time, at least in my interaction with you guys, where you've talked about kink and how it can be a tool for building closeness. Yeah, I mean, thank thank you for pointing that. I mean, not just the kink, but that we've really um, gone. I mean, this what we see this book as is is a distillation of all our years of work and what we've come, you know, our takeaway and what we want to share with people. So, yeah, it's really our big, big statement on what we think relationships and sexuality uh, are all about and can be for people. And that's what, you know, also why we kind of didn't want to call it a Tantra book. Um, a lot of people in the, in the kind of new agey Tantra world would look askance at, at the kink stuff that we have in there. Right. Uh, and what you know, the reason we brought kink in is that the way we look at it is that people who are doing kink well are doing exactly what the classical tantric practitioners were doing. And and there's so much, or maybe not exactly, but the the intentions and the and the objectives of the practices are so similar that we really needed to explore that and and give people that that insight. Yeah, and plus we wanted to normalize. Uh, the gamut of human sexual expression. I mean, we're inundated with stereotypes and myths about what it means to have a great relationship and how that needs to look and how you have sex. And that's just so, um, just not flexible enough to contain the rich uh, erotic aspect of every unique human being. Okay. I'm digging that. I tell you, the, the book is very well researched. It's very, I mean, I'm on, uh, I am only to the point of uh, about 350 pages in, and I think I'm on footnotes. I'm going to look here, 103. So obviously, <laughs> you guys did a little bit of homework in putting this together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we did a little homework. We volunteered for scientific study, right, in the fMRI machine, and we also consulted many, you know, prime, you know, premier 
and well-respected neuroscientists that are studying how the brain reacts to erotic, um, you know, stimulation. So I, I think that that's another another thing that it kind of actually comes out of our tantric background because our teacher uh, was an anatomy professor and and has a background in in chiropractic and osteopathy and has always strived to balance kind of Western scientific perspective with, with his traditional training in Tantra. And we see this as very much an extension of that. We really try to do the science right and, and have everything just completely up to date in terms of, of current knowledge. So it's rooted, you know, it, and, and solid in that way. And, and it certainly seems to be that is the case. I mean, um, any... We've had the opportunity to review a lot of books, a lot of sexual sexuality books on the podcast at this point, and it's challenging to find one that has both a balance of some general, reasonable, scientifically scientific-based information, like what you have here about sexual dysfunction, but still not lose its heart and its passion for just enjoying sex. Um, I found it particularly interesting, you know, when you asked what is sex on your Facebook page and all the different answers you got there. Um, and then you, you wrap that into a quote from Rumi as well as Winnie the Pooh. So, <laughs> quite the journey that you've taken there. Um, well, those are eclectic Facebook friends, you know, <laughs> but I, I mean, I think that the thing is that that's like a really foundational question. And when you get into talking about, I mean, monogamous couples, right? And they agree to me, be monogamous, but they don't know what sex is. They haven't agreed on how they define what, it. What exactly have we agreed to only share with each other? So do you have a definition? I'm super curious as to what, how you define sex. Uh, I'm the interviewer here. I'll ask the question, <laughs> young lady. Um, but that's a great point because I often, in negotiations with other people prior to um, playing something, what you know, in the kink community, what we call a scene, you know, prior to or whether it's a it's a sacred touch or a sacred sexuality or just a BDSM scene, there's this level of expectation that okay, well, when you say sex, you mean you're not going to put your penis in my vagina. For myself, anything that generates that sense of erotic feeling counts as sex in my book so i can see i can certainly see where having a good understanding of that of what the word means to the individual is can be a challenge yeah and i i like um you know tapping into the erotic i mean and, and define that as your sexuality and your experience of sex kind of opens up all kinds of life experiences so you're not compartmentalizing your your experience of life but you're actually uh you know integrating all experiences and tapping into the erotic which is it just makes things much more fun <laughs> just be <laughs> practical right and you know we're really not dogmatic i mean we we throw that question out there in good faith, in that we want people to define sex for themselves. Mm -hmm. um, the the only thing that we kind of do encourage in that regard is that they strive to define it as expansively as they can, because the more that you can experience a spectrum of sensations and and emotions and uh, and energy coming into you as as sexual, the more potential there is for sexual pleasure. And so we really we want people to be expansive, but we want them to, to find their own way and not, you know, take our word for it. Well, great. Good. Now, but uh, Patricia, you said something a moment ago, which led me to a question in all of and you and I, uh, the three of us, and as well as Don, and we run into each other at events fairly eh, once or twice a year, every other year or so. And my interactions with you guys have been based on this this theory of mine that because you come from a tantrika background, you're primarily monogamous. And I don't know why I think that, but I think, Patricia, you just opened the door a little that that may not be the case. Well, I, I, what 
we set How out. How do I answer the slimy interviewer? You know, what we set out to address in the book is to really encourage people to look at what unconscious relating is like. And we criticize heavily unconscious monogamy. And I think once you start having discussions in which you acknowledge that you're attracted to other people or other you know experiences or that you're interested in other things, you are stepping out of that paradigm and you're into a non-monogamous type relationship. And what we like to say is rather than the monogamy, non-monogamy, but just the, uh, you're really co-creating how you're going to relate. So, And you talk about that a little bit, the, the idea of the designer relationship. What, what does that mean to you guys? Well, that's a great term that Ken Haslam, who's a, one of the leading lights in the polyamory movement, came up with because he was kind of sick of the distinction that was being made between especially between the poly and swing communities. But I think going beyond that into, you know, if you're, if you're in a monogamous or a sexually exclusive partnership, you know, there's all these different ways of talking about it. You may be emotionally monogamous, but not sexually exclusive. You may be sexually monogamous, but not emotionally exclusive. You know, it just goes on or and on may, and on. You may have a certain type of sexual act that you reserve for your partner. And because of that, you call yourself monogamous yet there's this whole myriad of places that you can play and, and interact with other people. It, it just all gets, um, the words just don't encompass the richness of how people have fulfilling relationships. So Ken's idea, which we think is just brilliant is that you, you just define it for yourself. You, you, you design your relationship and it really doesn't matter what label you apply to it. If it's yours and it's working, then it's great. <laughs> Okay, fantastic. And you guys do go quite, at least you touch on, as we talked about a little bit earlier, we talked about uh, how the book touches on kink. The book touches on polyamory and on swinging. Um, is there anything that you guys thought about that was not appropriate to keep in the book? Where I mean, it's really challenging to keep <laughs> The, the fun part for me is like, all right, well, what kind of book is this? And in one area, I see, you know, footnote number 103. Okay, it's a research book. But then you have these different tips on things that you and your lover can do, like uh, looking at 20 things to make you happy, different kinds of relationships, um, different ways to get started. I mean, who, do you, who is your primary audience for this book? Oh. Well, I, I, realistically, our primary audience is going to be heterosexual couples between 30 and 60. You know, just that's the way the book is is packaged and everything. Those are going to be the likely readers and probably mostly women, you know, and that's right. that's the reality. But we are really, really committed to being inclusive and non-heteronormative you know, uh, open to all ages and forms of sexual expression. And so even though it's, it's a book that's primarily about a pair bonded couple oriented relationship and a heterosexual one, because that's basically what we are. And so that's where, you know, where we start. Uh, it, it really is very, very intentionally aimed at, at anyone. And if you're not in a relationship, there's probably some great stuff to find in there about how to be in a relationship better next time. Yeah, and I, I just want the readers to feel, especially people who haven't, they've been um, trapped in a culture or area where uh, your relationships were not examined, where it's default mode, where you went to the prom with him and, of course, you're going to get married and, of course, you're going to blah, 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 and nobody looks at it and realizes that as human beings we have great freedom to choose and create and the the realm of relationship is so rich for creativity and flexibility and surprise and curiosity and so much fun if you i just want to give people permission to start looking at their relationships that way okay very cool very cool now, uh, as much as the, the variety of things you touch on and you reflect the positive qualities of, 
I did earmark a spot where uh, we get a little attitude and you point the <laughs> finger about a kind of sex that you do not find uh, acceptable, shall we say. You have a section here on non-monogamous, uh, non-consensual non-monogamy. <laughs> right. <laughs> and yeah, and most of the time, that's really not a good way to operate. Right. But I think that's the most non-monogamy that happens in our culture is the non-consensual type. <laughs> and nobody addresses that. And that's, you know, for your listeners, the cheating, the lying, the deception, the manipulation. Oh, um, no, really, I'm working late at work, you know, that kind of thing. So not cool. And it doesn't bring you to deeper levels of intimacy with your partner. Oh, I, and I certainly do not disagree with that. But I just had to be a, that kind of an interviewing jerk to point out the one <laughs> spot where you guys say, not okay. Now, one thing that I will say is that there may be circumstances, and this is something that is a little controversial, and we allude to it in the book. There may be circumstances where that is really the right choice for someone. And we, you know, our society gets into this very judgmental thing about, well, cheating on your partner is never okay. And I, not I'm, not, always the I'm case. not prepared to go yeah, that right? far. You can't. Okay. People have unique circumstances and you know, yeah, I'm not going to condemn anybody for making that choice. Fair enough. Um, you talk a lot about the about different myths about relationships. Uh, give me an example of some of the myths that you talk about. <laughs> the biggest one is the soulmate, right? <laughs> you know, there's that one person out there who just everything cosmically came together and that person is meant for you. And if you don't find that person, you, you might as well just... You're forever half a person, yeah. right? You need them to complete you and you'll know it. This is the big, big myth aspect about this myth. You'll know it because you'll meet that person and everything will go smoothly forever and ever. You'll never have a conflict. You'll never wake up and say, wait a minute, who are you? You're not the person I married. Like people experience these things because they're normal and unfortunately think, oh my God, I married the wrong person. Another big one that we deal with uh, is um, the idea that live, living happily ever after Um you know, that that's something that we're inculcated with from childhood and, you know, the fairy tales and, and the Disney version of the fairy tales. And people from that just think that once they find the, the soulmate, everything will just go wonderfully. Right. And the reality is that historically that concept of happily ever after had nothing to do with romantic love or marriage as we understand it. It had to do with class economic status and and comfort and so when you know cinderella marries the prince or when sleeping beauty is awakened and and restored to her rightful place in the world they live happily ever after but that's not what that's because every the world is put back into balance not because the relationship is great yeah okay and, and i certainly agree with that um People often ask Don and I why, you know, we'd say, oh, you're very happy. You must, you guys have a great relationship. And it's like, yeah, that's because we sweat and scream and we just don't do it in front of you. That, <laughs> that And that there is no, I, I, I personally agree with you. There's, it's challenging to think of a perfect relationship um, that, you know, Prince Charming meets Cinderella sort of thing like you're describing and it's funny, I, you know, I want to see part two of that movie where 30 years later he's uh, overweight and drinking beer <laughs> and, and she's like, why do we never go out? <laughs> but, you know, that's another, I mean, you, you touch on something that's another one of our big myths. And I think this is, this is kind of the, the counterbalance to that happily ever after thing. We have this idea in our society that you need to work on your relationship. And, and people usually like, let things get really bad. And then all of a sudden, oh, we've got to take some time and cut ourselves off from the world and work on a relationship. That's just 
really problematic on so many levels because we have such negative associations with work. Right? Who loves going to work? Who like I mean, fortunate people do. They they I really say, I bet you guys love going to work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lots of research. Oh my god, more research. Hey. But what we encourage couples to do and people in relationships is to really see points of conflict as opportunities to really enrich in their intimacy. And it's when, I mean, it would be kind of boring if you woke up every day and everything was just so smooth and you would get kind of, you'd be yawning at each other after a while. But it's when your partner suddenly, you know, behaves in a way you didn't expect or is hurt by something you didn't expect. That's opportunity for you to really, you both to deepen and really discover yet more about each other. And as you work through that, you can land into a point of way more freedom. It's, it's really kind of a magical practice, we think. So we like to, to talk about collaboration rather than work. And even though collaboration has this, you know, the root is labor, but it really has a more artistic kind of uh, connotation to it, and it, you, you know, you think about it as a as a joint venture, a project that you're working on together. And yeah. that can be complicated, and there can be conflict, and there can be difficult times and steps backward and everything. But you're you have this this attitude of co-creation of of participating together in something that's very different from saying the relationship is out there and we're going to work on it. And that, makes, that, no, that makes sense. Yeah. I, you know, but, and with, with all that in mind, I think some of the stuff you do is to me sounds like work example earlier, Patricia, you'd mentioned getting shoved in a, some kind of an MRI. <laughs> I just picture some guy with a clipboard standing there and have an orgasm. And thank you very much. I, I don't know how that works. How does that work? Well, I, I'm very, um, interested in furthering the science and knowledge of sexuality so in, in service to that ideal um i'm even more in or i've been even more in service <laughs> because we did the first partner stimulated orgasm in an fmri <laughs> and that was quite a challenge but i'm also um uh, claustrophilia i love small tight places i like oh. uh, Okay. So, so I, I mean, in my um, old apartment, I had my uh, bed in the top of my closet. I built a li uh, little shelf, and I put a mattress up in there, and I could sleep in the small space. Neat. Makes Neat. makes me happy. <laughs> so the fMRI was not a problem for her. Um, the head restraint maybe was a <laughs> that, big problem. That is <laughs> Try having an orgasm and keeping your head still. I mean, oh my. Gosh, in in oh no, that's a whole other thing. Some you should look online. You should see what the restraint thing looks like when you. It's it's straight out of American Horror Story. <laughs> it's pretty. <laughs> I will take a look at that. Um, I don't know what I expect to see out of it, but I'll. I'll take a look at it. Um, I I have to admit, there's so many different directions to go with, and I tell you, as a book reviewer. When we get a book to review, I normally pick it up about two days before the interview, speed read through it. But you guys have so much stuff in here, and I'm, I'm going to end up calling you back and saying, look, I want to talk more in depth on this individual um, type of, you know, like some of these chapters. And you, we touched on all the, these interesting words that you guys have come up with to explain some of this stuff. And I don't know how much of it's yours, but um, stuff like the, like we talked about earlier with the designer relationships and non-consensual non-monogamy. That's one we made up ourselves. <laughs> and another one I really like is the concept of unspontaneous sex. And how hot is that? Well, I, I, I tell you, I don't know, because that's been one on my head lately, is where Don and I, incredibly busy life that we have, uh, and now we have a puppy, and it's like having a child in the house, and it's like, geez, do we have to actually put sex on the calendar? And how unsatisfying does that sound? Well, it's the same thing you do when you make a date. When you're dating someone, what are you doing Friday? I don't, oh, I'm free at seven. We're having dinner and then sex. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
right? Right. So dating, the whole dating process is scheduled sex. And couples that live together neglect that aspect. I mean, the the um, mystery, I mean, you people feel like they're having spontaneous sex, but when you have a date that night, you are anticipating, you are, you know, you're picking prepping. your underwear, you're doing your PC muscle pulses, so you're all feeling juicy, Gosh, you know. You. <laughs> <laughs> no, that make, okay, that makes sense to me. Um, I, I, so I still have a list of questions, but for now, <laughs> one, one more question for you, if you don't mind. And this is a big one. Oh. What about developing, uh, for me, right, one of the keys to sex being fantastic is developing some sort of a sexual trust with the other person. Yeah. Yeah. So how I do, do I do that? Gradually. I mean, <laughs> trust, is, trust is something that has to be built. And the thing about it is, and, and we talk about it in this way, it's like putting money in the bank. Every time that you're in a relationship with somebody and that person does something to build trust, is honest with you, is is straightforward, is Caring, transparent. Kind. Yeah. That builds trust. And the more you know, and inevitably if you're in a relationship with somebody, there are gonna be times when they let you down where they, they screw up. If you're in an open relationship, maybe they break one of your rules. And what have what's important then is that if you have trust established, when that minor transgression occurs inadvertently you don't freak out and you don't turn on your partner and say, oh, you betrayed me. It becomes something that you can address and deal with. It's not this huge thing. So it's a gradual ongoing process of building confidence in each other and, and having the awareness that neither one of you is going to intentionally do something to hurt the other. And that takes repeated experience, repeated times in which you are um, – you know, exploring a new sexual technique or discussing a new fantasy or if you're more adventurous, um, going into a new play kind of situation and um, always knowing your partner keeps on coming back, holds your well-being in high esteem, tells you and, you know, discusses everything and abides by what your agreements are. That, it just makes, creates a foundation in which the next exploration has more potential to fly. Okay, fantastic. And, and um, I see a lot of that reflected in, and I love the fact that one of your chapters in the book is basic sexual adventures, or adventuring. And I see that you talk about trust and such in there. Um, and when I first came across that, I'm like, well, how basic sexual adventuring? What's basic about it? <laughs> <laughs> Because some of the stuff in here is not very basic. No, no. So to speak. But uh, I see that now you had to name it that because the following chapter is advanced sexual adventuring. Well, so, our distinction go. there really is is the basic stuff is not interacting with other people. And so it might be, you know, going to a swing club and watching or it might be taking a Tantra workshop and, and being in a room where other people are doing erotic massage, that sort of thing. Whereas the advanced is more about, okay, if you want to explore interacting with other people, how do you do that and keep your connection as a couple strong? And, and actually moreover than, I mean, to, to use those, that type of exploration as a way of deepening and, and, you know, improving your bond with your primary partner and which we hope, you know, we've explained to the reader. So it's an arbitrary distinction between the two, but but really the line that we drew was, is there going to be physical contact with other people or erotic contact with other people outside of the dyad? Okay, very cool. Guys, I have to admit, uh, I'm holding the book here in my hand, uh, and, and I will put you one <laughs> other uh, positive out there. I see you published by Cleus Press. They are uh, one of my favorites, and they actually have a uh, – it's a very solid book. I love the way they communicate, the way they handle their authors. Uh, the book is Partners in Passion, A Guide to Great Sex, Emotional Intimacy, and Long-Term Love by Mark Michaels and Patricia Johnson. How do I get my hands on a copy of this book? 
Uh, it, now that I'm giving well, mine up, how would anyone else get their hands on it? <laughs> it should be available everywhere shortly. Um, you can order directly from us at www.michaelsandjohnson.com. Or you can uh, order from your local independent bookstore, and it's available through all the common channels like Amazon. And all the great uh, sex-positive shops around the country are, are going to be carrying it. We're doing a, a big series of events with the Hustler stores. We're also doing a lot of stuff with the independent feminist bookshops, uh, you know, Smitten Kitten, Sugar, and, and Tool Shed, etc. So it's going to be widely available in a couple weeks well that's fantastic to hear guys uh smitten kittens one of my favorites uh as well as well as some of those other great places you mentioned um once more and from a i i love the fact that i can hear the smiles in your voice as we talk about this stuff guys um, <laughs> it's, and it's a lot of fun so thank you very much for being on the podcast i very much appreciate it uh, and I, I can only hope that, Patricia, the next time we're scheduled to be at the same event, it won't be too awkward. Awkward? <laughs> awkward? Hey! <laughs> How Take, so? <laughs> Take care, guys. Okay. You too. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. The Guilty Pleasure Stage Show and its educational ranch, The Monkey Puzzle Club, bring you quality BDSM presentations and kink parties from local and nationwide presenters. Join Guilty Pleasures and The Monkey Puzzle Club each month for Fetish Foreplay Friday. Come get hot and horny for Valentine's Day on February 14th during the Art of the Strip Tease, taught by Val of Infinity Ariel. Located at Club Princeton in Columbus, Ohio, Fetish Foreplay Friday provides new and engaging kink classes, followed by a BDSM-themed play party. Come out and experience kink and community at this laid-back erotic event. Classes begin at 8, with party immediately following. You can also catch the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show at Circus Bar in Columbus, Ohio on February 28th. The Monkey Puzzle Club meets every Wednesday at The Room at the Columbus, Ohio Insight Center for cutting-edge kink classes brought to you by novice presenters and seasoned BDSM educators alike. Classes start at 8 p.m., immediately followed by hands-on guided practice sessions with members of the GP and MPC crews. Follow us on Twitter at MonkeyPuzzleOH or search for The Monkey Puzzle Club and look for our Curious Monkey logo. You can also follow Guilty Pleasures and Monkey Puzzle Club on FetLife for all announcements and discussions. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Happy Valentine's Day, listeners. Thank you.